Restaurant Unstoppable episode 795 with Chef Max Santiago. The last hotel that I, that I was the pastry chef at, the last normal pastry chef position, I call it, uh, because ever since after that, I just started being my own boss. And let me tell you something, after you get that taste of being your own boss, you don't ever want to work for anybody ever again. And also, that's what really, I think, part of what, what I loved about it is being my own boss. That's the American dream, right? Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Restaurant owners know it can be almost impossible to keep everything up to date, even making adjustments on your menu. And I know it's probably one of the most important marketing tools out there, if not the most important marketing tool. That's why I'm so happy to introduce to you Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. Pop Menu seriously is the full digital solution for independent restaurant owners. When you invest in Pop Menu, you get a dynamic interactive menu that hooks your customers from the start. And let me tell you, they really do love that review feature. You get a mobile-friendly website, and I cannot stress to you enough how many people miss the importance of a solid website. And you also get marketing and integrations to build long-lasting relationships with your guests. What are you waiting for? As you can see, Pop Menu gives restaurateurs all the tools they need to put the focus back on what matters the most, the people, and the food. Trust me, if you are a restaurant owner, you need to check out Pop Menu to take your business to the next level. For a limited time only, my listeners get $100 off their first month plus an unchanging lifetime rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And Seven Shifts is trusted by over 400,000 restaurant professionals because it gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.sevenshifts.com. Slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Procter and Gamble Professional provides a wide range of cleaning and disinfectants for your business needs. Get the cleaning and disinfecting products you need and the peace of mind you deserve. Not only does Procter & Gamble Professional make you cleaner, it also makes you more efficient. Donald Professional Pot and Pan cleans 58% more pots and pans than the leading competitor. Donald Professional, it's clean upgraded. What's going on, Unstoppables? We have a great show lined up for you today. But before I let you know what we got going on, just a quick reminder to please support this podcast. There's a few ways you can do it. You can support our sponsors. If you support our sponsors, they continue to sponsor the show. It's that simple. Anytime there's a tool or service organically recommended on the show, head over to the show notes. It's just restaurantunstoppable.com slash whatever the episode number is. We'll link to that tool or service. If you use that link, we could earn a commission. It really supports the show. And 
this whole podcast is about sharing information and transforming our industry by giving you uh, restaurant owners and aspiring restaurant owners a target and aiming point. So share this podcast with other people and help serve this mission of inspiring, empowering, and transforming the industry. We can't do it if people don't know this podcast exists. So please share this podcast and tag me at Eric, E-R-I-C-C-A-C-C-I-A-T-O-R-E, Eric Cacciatore, uh, on Instagram so I can personally thank you for your support. And then lastly, come hang out in restaurantstoppablenetwork.com. I should say, if you go to that link, you'll land on the network. And that's literally just a, a community of my most loyal listeners uh, connecting with my my guests, my past restaurant tour guests, and the tools and services they're recommending. And we're just dissecting this shit and learning together and unpackaging it. And it's it's a lot of fun. I, um, I'm having a blast doing that. And just come hang out in the network. It's thirty bucks a month. If that's too much for you, shoot me an email, Eric at RestaurantStoppable.com. Um, I want to make sure that you know you can get access to this information. So we'll see what we can do. All right. Today, we are talking to Chef Max Santiago, and man, this was a really great conversation. Uh, Chef, uh, I should say, award-winning executive pastry chef Max Santiago is a native Floridian, and uh, he was went to a culinary school in Florida after serving at the in the United States Air Force. Uh, he was in the industry working in fine dining and five-star, five-diamond hotels for 27 years, ne- nearly 30 years before breaking off to open his own business, The Salty Donut, which he was the executive pastry chef and co-founder of. He was with them for a couple years before breaking off uh, to his next, his next project in September of 2019. He partnered to create the Batch cookie company batch the cookie company actually and uh, they're going strong they're about to open their second location that's where he is today and beyond this he travels the world as one of the most sought after consultants on donut donuts in general just pastries and uh, i think nine donut shops he's helped open over the past I don't know, five or whatever years uh, all across the world. And he's actually opening his next donut shop by uh, the end of this year, maxed out artisanal donuts. And he's just got so much going on. Um, I'm really excited for the closing thoughts. Make sure you stick around to the end. Cause I think there's a lot of things I want to point out about what Max did well. So here it is Max Santiago. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, pastry chef and founder of Batch Cookie Company, Chef Max Santiago. Chef Max, you're feeling unstoppable today. I am. I That's a good word for me, Eric. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Dude, I'm psyched to have you here. A uh, good friend, Rory, called you out, told you to be a chef on the show. I'm excited to be collaborating with her as well into the future. Awesome, uh, and yeah. If she says that I need to talk to you, I, I believe her. So that's I cannot to wait to dive into your story. Uh, be- so before, yeah, before we get into <laughs> Dough, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quarter mantra. What do you got for us? All right, I'd like to share this with you. That's something that I that I realized that you know along the along my path is that you know as chefs, uh, if anybody out there can relate, and restaurateurs, uh, chefs that are turning into restaurateurs, you're never going to get rich and successful working your butt off for you know twelve to sixteen hours a day in a kitchen. You still want to bust your ass and go out there and, and work as hard as you can, but you're not going to necessarily do it in a kitchen. So you're never going to get rich and successful in the kitchen. The real, the real money gets made outside of it, how you run as a businessman, the context that you make. Uh, you know, social media is a huge part of it as well, uh, all the kind of collaborations that you can do. Um, as long as you just keep busting your butt and thinking that you can become rich and successful and famous just cooking in a kitchen, 
Like all that makes you is a hard worker and a hard working chef. Uh, you are going to make somebody else's dream come true, and you're not going to make yours. And I've seen a lot of uh, restaurants uh, fail with chefs that think that way, and they don't get out there and do the, the important things. Hire a chef to, to run your kitchen. Yes. Your name is already um, the well-known one that you need to get out there. And also, uh, you can still train and, and make sure it's your menu and their, their, their rules. Get somebody that you trust to run it. That's a smart. You have to be a businessman and a chef. Yes, I absolutely 100% agree with that statement. But I, I, I am curious, and I think that maybe you'll agree with me when I say this. I think a lot of people who are getting into the industry go for the social media, media fame first and don't necessarily put the focus on becoming great. Times have changed a lot in this industry, <laughs> Eric. Do you think I'm that's glad true? you brought that up. Yeah. Um, nowadays, you know. Anybody can open up, like I own a cookie shop and I'm about to open a donut shop again. I've been the founder of another donut shop and I've been a pastry chef for 27 years now, you yeah. know, and, and before I opened my first shop on my own, I had been in the industry for 20. So a lot of people nowadays are just, you know, they're copying what the most popular thing is. And now with Instagram, you can see how everything's done. You get a cool like logo and some cool branding and, and you can be successful too, yeah. you know, and, um, the whole like chef element is kind of really left out, but it's super important. And yes, you can get famous that way. Now you can, and you can make a good living. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be like, uh, you know, bashing that at all yeah. and, and be a hater about it, but there's something special when you have the whole trifecta. Yeah. So what I'm curious about is when do you, at what point, do you go from putting your head down and becoming a great chef to saying, okay, I've, I've learned a lot and now it's time for me to put myself out there. When do you think it's time to make, or do you, what, like, how do you balance that? Or is it a balance or is it yes and? I don't think it's totally necessary to go 20 years like I did, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, but I say give it a good solid foundation. And I've had a lot of people ask me and I, I think I like the, the rounded number of about three years of good professional experience. Three years? Yeah, that's okay. what I would say. Because in one year, you're just kind of scratching the surface. And I think after a couple more years of that, but um, minimum one year. One yeah. to three years is what I would say. Really pick out your and – and I strongly believe in this that I don't like – not that there's anything wrong with them either. Some of them are successful. I just think it's a lot more difficult to become successful if you're like a jack-of-all-trades and have a bakery that's got a bunch of different items versus – being a specialty bakery that maybe features one or three. Yeah. So but it takes time. It takes time for you to figure out what it is exactly that makes you, that separates you. I well, think that's you got to explore saying. that. You got to put your, you know, you, you got to get For out. me, yeah. yeah. For me, it, it wasn't anything that I thought about. It just kind of landed on my lap. And, and I was a pastry chef of many different things in hotels. I mean, I just did, I was pretty well-rounded. I did everything really well. In hotels, you got to do so many different things. Yeah. So I know that you got your like professional start in the Air Force. I did. Correct? Yeah. It's kind of kind of different. Yeah. But so, I'm so glad that I did because uh, it's not the typical place where you hear that, that people start, but there is a lot, of, a lot of people that come out of that. Yeah. And uh, it gave me, I think, a good solid basis to become really, really like, you know, just have a good work ethic, really reliable, show up on time and... It kicked my ass, you know, and I was just a young kid at that point. I started at 18 at the very beginning. And, you know, I used to go in late, things like that. After that, I'm the first guy there, you know, like I stayed the longest and worked the hardest. And it, tra- it taught me a lot of that. Yeah. My dad always wanted me to go into the military and I fought him. I don't know why I fought him. I think it's because the, the, the school system that I came up in always said go to college and that if, you, if college isn't right for you, meaning if you can't handle college, go into the military. 
And I think that's really messed up because I think the military is great for a lot of people. Well, um, that was part of the reason I went in. It paid for like half of my college. Yeah, right. But yeah. but what, what aside from you know how having that help you pay for a lot of your col- your college, what else did the the military give you as far as setting you up for success? Like like I just mentioned, it it really made me. It turned me from a boy into a man. Yeah. Like I learned how to iron my clothes there. I'd yeah. never done that in my life. Uh, I didn't really know how to cook. I went in what was called the open uh, general. Um, so I didn't have a designated job. And out of that, uh, the most common picked are either a security police or uh, the hospitality industry and you become a cook. Yeah. So my uh, recruiter was not like he didn't try to sugarcoat it. Like I hear a lot of horror stories that they lie to you. Uh, he told me. If you go in this in this uh, open general category, you could get one of these other few jobs that are very hard to get, like administrative and so on. But most likely, you're either going to land as a cop or a cook. Yeah. If you're cool with that, and you know what, I probably would have made a really good cop because I'm <laughs> super like you know like with the rules like yeah. straight like kind of like, like rigid. Yeah, yeah, rigid. Uh, rigid is a good word, and uh, that's how I am in my kitchen. Very much like it's got to be like everything very orderly and i've loosened up a lot since i've opened up a, a, a cookie shop <laughs> but in my bakeries you know when i was the i was the pastry chef of the ritz carlton the peninsula and beverly hills some really prestigious like very high yeah high-end uh, uh resorts and, and hotels and, and hospitality establishments so you know you have to be that way but um yeah it really it really taught me a lot of that and uh, by the time i came out of there like i said i was like never late uh Worked super hard. Um, it taught me a lot of discipline. I was going to say, that's know? the word that was at the tip yeah. of my tongue. Discipline, yeah, discipline and, and orderliness, you know, yeah. and rigidity. But the, you know, I think there, there's a time and place for rigidity, and that's in your operations, systems, processes, procedures. And honestly, you like, once you've been through basic training, whether it's in any part of the military, it's probably even worse than the Marines, I've, I've heard, because I have a lot of friends in all the branches. But um, you're not scared of anything, yeah. dude. Yeah. You're not, they just, yeah, honestly, like it breaks you down and you don't, you're not scared of shit. So yeah, I bet. let me put it like, like and, and that really helps out in the kitchen because yeah. this is very like, this isn't for the weak. How does it help out in the kitchen? And do me a favor, bump up that mic about an inch. Or I could come down closer to it. <laughs> All right. So, well, in the kitchen, I always say this. Um, it takes a really like tough kind of personality to endure like the long hours, the, the, the stressness of it. The, there's a lot of like high paced energy and also uh, you can't miss work a lot. So the kind of people that get sick often or kind of have a low immune system, like they don't last very long in this yeah. industry. So somebody that typically is in it for as many years as I have, you know, I'm coming on almost 30 years. Um, like we're usually very, very healthy. Like some, for some reason we don't get sick a lot. I honestly, I can't remember the last time I got sick and now we're in the middle of, of this, uh, you know, pandemic. I haven't had a cold. Honestly, I remember the last time I had a cold because I was working in a hotel called the Gansevoort. And that's the only reason I can remember because of the, the time it was. Uh, and, and I actually still went into work and I had like a 103 degree fever and I still didn't miss. And that's the only reason I remember uh, because of where I work. So that must have been like 2009. If you have a 103 degree, <laughs> degree fever today, do not go to work. Yeah, do not go to work. <laughs> but that's the kind of industry I was raised in. And, yeah. uh, and, I, and when I was coming up, you know, I had chefs that I've worked in, in, in such intense kitchens that, you know, they would throw plates on the floor if you didn't yeah. like what yeah. you were serving. And, 
and uh, they punched holes in the wall. I've seen it all. Yeah, man. It's so, not like that anymore. So was it in the military that you realized that like this was going to be the, the path for the rest of your life? No, not at all. I've been drawing and sculpting my whole life. I okay. thought I was going to be an artist, and I really still think I am. I yeah. just do it with food now and Different with sugar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's a much more difficult medium because we have to worry about certain temperatures and things like that, you know, and you have to know techniques in order to create them. Yeah, and your art has to taste good. And it has to taste good. <laughs> yeah. That's the most important. But, yeah. but honestly, I'm glad you brought that up because when I first started, I remember thinking back when I worked at the first fine dining restaurant that I was at, and they had, I don't know why, this just stuck in my head. It was like, it was a buttermilk biscuit with uh, jasmine tea-infused plums. And I just remember that. Yeah. And that, that was honestly like 20-some years ago, right? Because I was four years in the Air Force, then I started working at fine dining. So that was in the year 2000, literally 21 years ago, <laughs> okay? So um, I remember reading that and thinking like, wow, how do they come up with this stuff? Like, what? Yeah, like, why would you even think of that? <laughs> and, and funny enough, I'm doing that like, like second nature now. I don't even need to think. I can come up with recipes. Like now it's part of engraved into my, into my soul, and, and I think it'll carry it on to generations that – that I teach and if I have children, whatever, you know? So what is the secret to getting to that level? Is it just diving into it? Well, what came naturally to me what is, uh, is just something I was born with. So it's a gift. I believe I call it a gift is my artistic side of it. So when I first started cooking, I would look at it as a form of art. And I still do it. Like sometimes like I'll just think of like how I want the cookie or the donut to look before I even think about the flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... As time went on and I started understanding what, what flavors worked well together and tasting, because you're in the culinary now. You need to taste as much things. And I can't stand it when I ask a young cook, like, hey, I want you to try this. And then they're like, no, I'm good. I'm like, I'm not asking you because I want to feed you here. Like, I'm not trying to keep you well fed. I want you to experience. And you need to know what something is supposed to taste like. Mm. The most important thing as a cook or a chef to do is to taste your food, and it happens so much more often than you don't even realize, mm-hmm. Eric, that they don't taste their food. You're just going through the motions. And I'm not talking about just tasting it like one individual thing. You need to taste everything in its own and also as a whole, how it comes together, because uh, one component of it could add the acid, and another one could add the sweetness, and, and that's honestly how I picture all of my desserts. Like I still see them as a composed dish. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, now it's in the form of a cookie or a donut, but everything is a component of it, balanced, you know, yeah. it all balances. I don't like sugary, overly sweet desserts. None yeah. of my, none of my, of my desserts are super sweet. Man, I'm looking at those desserts behind your shoulder and I cannot wait to get after them. I'm sure. And you, you were here. You got to witness like <laughs> one of the people going crazy about like saying, oh, oh yeah. my God, like that's the kind of like that reaction that I, I want to have. <laughs> I almost asked if she was plugged. If she was, uh, yeah, right. You're like, no, but this happens every day, man. Yeah, I'm sure it doesn't. <laughs> so, um, when did you know, if you, if you didn't think that you're going to be in this right out of the military, you thought you're going to be a sculptor or some kind of, kind of artist, which you are, but at what point did you realize that this is an art that you can go in this direction? And when did you really start to lean into it? You know, I was really, really lucky, honestly. Like I'm just the kind of person that I've always been a hard worker Ever since, that's just my, I don't know, that's just in me. Yeah. And uh, I took to what I was doing. Um, I was, I started as, as a, you know, regular cook and all kinds of savory food, but I, I, I shifted quickly and latched on to pastry because of my artistic side and my attention to detail. So I became really like quickly like able to do it. Uh, and for some people, it's a little bit more difficult. For, for me, it just came supernatural and I just developed it as much as I could. 
I went to culinary school right after I got out of the Air Force. I went to the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale and uh, started working in fine dining. And I just never left from there until I opened up my own bakery. Uh, but um, I think I'm still missing the, the, the catalyst, the trigger right. when you're like, right. okay. Well, that's what I'm getting to. Okay. <laughs> I know. Um, so for me, it was like I just I got lucky because I just realized that this was something that I was good at, that I enjoyed doing, and I could make money in. And it, even it wasn't really paying that well, but I, I was you know out of the Air Force. Um, I didn't have a degree in anything else. I went to culinary school, so I got my degree in that. And I just made the best of what I was given at the time. But honestly, to tell you the truth, Eric, like I just... I just kept doing it because I, for the simple reason that I was really good at it and I knew I loved it, but I was never satisfied. And 20 years of my career, I spent, you know, looking for the right feeling the whole time. Mm. And let me tell you something. I didn't find it until I was, until I finally opened the first donor shop and I, and I found what exactly what, what I was supposed to do. The rest of my life. What was it that was different about this, this donut <laughs> shop? And I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, yeah. but get into it. I don't know how to describe the feeling, but I, I had been searching. Like, it just never felt right. I, ne- I was never happy with uh, either the, the, the way that a restaurant ran because I, I'll tell you what I hate the most about restaurants. Um, as a pastry chef, you have to stay till the last table, and sometimes they don't even order dessert. So you yeah. just stayed there till like, you know, an hour after everybody else already left. And then that damn table doesn't even get dessert. Oh, my God. How pissed <laughs> off. So, you know, you just go in earlier than everybody else because you have to prep, but you have to stay later than anybody else does. So, um, But the great part about restaurants is that you focus just on one menu and you did some crazy over-the-top stuff. And I love that. Uh, in a hotel, I really – it was a personal thing with me. I wanted to conquer that position. I said, you know, it's a difficult – it's, uh, it's something that takes a lot of skill and challenge. And I, I'm just the type of person that's very competitive with myself. And I said to myself, like, I got to beat this thing. I got to show myself that I can do it. But I never loved it. Yeah. You know, and, and I, the last hotel that I, that I was the pastry chef at, the last normal pastry chef position, I call it, uh, because ever since after that, I just started being my own boss. And let me tell you something. After you get that taste of being your own boss, that... You don't ever want to work for anybody ever again. I get it. Yeah. And also, that's what really, I think, part of what, what I loved about it is being my own boss. That's the American dream, right? Yeah. So with the donut company, it sounds like the, the, the shift went from you're an element of the big picture versus yeah. now you're in, at, with your own business where you're focusing on doing one thing in the donut. That is the business. It is. And also, and, you get to put all these years of experience and training and passion into one thing even though you can make it in a thousand different flavors it's still a donut it's not let me tell you a little quick like like uh, uh, a way to describe how it is being a pastry chef of a hotel and I was the pastry chef of a lot of really big name prestigious you know places I was the pastry chef of the Ritz Carlton the Peninsula in Beverly Hills the COVID Atlantis Bahamas and uh, very extremely busy places it just your day is never over you have Room service, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Uh, you have events that, that, that you know, they're, they're just constantly going on all hours of the day. You have, you know, banquets of like a thousand. So you have like 30 different menus that they can choose from. You have specialty cakes, either if it's a birthday or lots of weddings. Uh, and you have amenities. And it's just like you just, 
you have a different menu for every single thing. Yeah. It, it, it's crazy. It, absolutely. If you are the pastry chef of a hotel, you are married to that position. Mm-hmm. I spent all of my 20s and 30s working about, honestly, not even lying to you, it's between 80 to 100 hours a I week. I believe a week. It. I believe it. So I worked double what the average person is. And I always say like a chef in a year of a chef's work is really like two years of what most people work because it really is. It's double yeah. the work. Yeah. So that's, you know, I spent a lot of time jumping around and trying to find what was making me happy. And it wasn't until I found like, I will never work in a restaurant or, or a hotel. And let's say I had to work for somebody else again. I would work in a bakery setting. Okay. Because uh, I believe that there's a lot more of a work-life balance. Yep. And you're only focusing on one ingredient. Like, I mean, one, one item versus a bunch of different ones. Yeah. And you also get to like have somewhat of a life, you know? Uh, yeah. And you also can, can become very successful because you can open several locations. Yeah. So do so, you think that's something, something that needs to change throughout the hotel industry? And can you even change that while maintaining that same level of excellence that you demonstrated in your role? I think that that's just a beast that I, I actually encourage every pastry cook or chef that sometime in their experience to work at least a year in a hotel to get that craziness but man, those people that make life out of it, it just you, you you just spend your you waste your entire life working. So how do we do? How do we change that? What's the the solution to? to there's some. There seems to be like some kind of like exclusion for like cooks or chefs that that it doesn't pertain to like most like jobs that for some reason we're not seen as like we need to have breaks, we need to eat. Like you only work so many hours. Like no, none of that even pertains to it. There's no like, what's the place that you call like where you can like you know report abuse happening in workplaces yeah, you know yeah. like you just it's like okay for some reason so i don't know if that'll <laughs> ever change man <laughs> yeah. honestly like well, i don't know if that'll ever change if it's gonna change it comes down i think it has to be us i think we need to change it um you might want to lock that door i don't know if he's gonna do it from the outside yeah he'll get it okay <laughs> thanks um so um i mean i i agree with you and i think that's part of the mission of why we're here to give to give people a voice to say that if it's gonna change if we're, it's it's gonna come from the inside out but again it comes back to what i told you when you're working for a hotel you're making somebody else's dream come true that's the hotel the, the hotelier the whoever yeah. owns it um you're busting your butt for them you yeah. know um you can do some things on the side and get acclamations like i did and get known but all your hard work and the real money is going to be made by the person who runs the hotel. So um, I think as, as a chef, when you turn restaurateur and you start being an owner and you get out of the kitchen, have somebody else with your guidance kind of run the place, like that's when you're really, as a chef, you're really going to start seeing the success, the fame, and the money coming. Yeah, I agree uh, with you 100%. Yeah. And I mean, just to give you a little bit of a tip of the, the hat here, as far as your, your resume goes, the Thompson Hotel. Um, the the Sugar Factory, the Miami Culinary Institute, Swan Restaurant with Fifty Eggs Inc., uh, the one the one group at the uh, Gainsvort, am I Gainsvort, Gainsvort yeah. uh, South Hotel, uh, the Peninsula Hotel in Beverly Hills, the executive chef for the Ritz Carlton in Coconut Grove, and the Cove at Atlantis Bahamas. I don't know if that was all consecutive in that order. Was that, is it in that order? Uh, it wasn't all in that particular order, but um, like I said, if you notice that, you know, that is within a 20-year span. Yeah. But the reason I feel like looking back on it now was that I just, I wasn't conformed like spending, like there's chefs that stay their whole career in one or two places. Um, I just didn't feel like satisfied. And 
I would be successful there, but after a year and a half or two years, I would get bored. But that's good. I think that's yeah. a good thing. Is, is like because you're. I think if you give somebody a year, they're, they're getting their. Return yeah, I never wanted to do less than a year you don't because do it looks. It looks like you're just flaky. Yeah. And I think you. The, I mean, let's be honest. Like you're going to this organization, they're teaching you a lot for that role or whatever you're doing. You should give it back to them, right? They're investing Absolutely in you. You agree. should give it back to them. Yeah. But you should also give yourself that perspective and get out there and get pers- You need perspective. You need to see the world you from do. different angles, and you need to see like. What other chefs have created and come up with. Yeah. And when you only have learned in one place, you're very limited and yeah. you don't even realize it. Exactly. What you think tastes good, what you think is a good good way to do it, there's probably a million other ways that could be done yeah, better. Beyond that, there's just efficiencies, operational effic- exactly. efficiencies. efficiencies. People are going to do things differently and you get to go through this Marriott of different approaches to get one job right. I've and had what- so many great influencers and influences and mentors throughout my career because of it. And you know what I feel like? I've gotten such a widespread, you know, I'm always going to be learning more, but I think that I've seen so much that I was finally ready to, I had proven everything to myself when I, when I opened my place. Yeah. I I do want to hover over one or two or three of these experiences. So off that list of hotels and experiences I just gave to you, where do you think you grew the most? Not as a pastry chef, but as an operations person, as a, where, where did your education on how to run a business grow the most? Well, uh, everything, every one of those places had some influence on me, but where I really had a huge turning point was when I went from restaurants that have one kind of mentality, which is like, you know, they're not corporate. They, they used to slam plates on the floor and things like that, like I told you, to when I worked for the Ritz-Carlton. Um, that really was the first um, hotel that I worked in and the first uh, like corporate setting that I saw. So it was a big switch for me, and I didn't start as the pastry chef. I, I, I purposely took a step back because I wanted to learn from someone. At that point, I had been the pastry chef at restaurants already, and they kind of threw you in. And that happens a lot. I don't know if you've noticed, I mean, you probably have, that there's a lot of times when you know, restaurants don't want to pay the big chef, so they'll, they'll throw up the next number two guy, and they start with somebody that's a lot of money, and then they let them go, and they put like you know whoever was to learn to do whatever they were doing for half the price. Yeah. So I, I got thrown into the pastry chef position at a very young age. At the Ritz-Carlton. Um, no, well, before I go okay. to the Ritz-Carlton. Now, I felt like um, in order to go forward, I had to take a step back. Yes, why? You know, because uh, I felt like there was a lot of things that I got left out that I still needed to learn, and I knew that I, that I could grow more by working under a really great chef. So... Luckily, I met one of my mentors, Paul Hayward, and he's currently in Dubai, and we've been friends ever since. That was back in 2002 when I opened the Ritz-Carlton, and um, he taught me a lot of different, you know, the approach about uh, doing things because uh, you have your staff do things for you because they want to make you proud versus fear, you know? Yeah. And a lot of the chefs, you know, they scream at you, they yell down, they talk down to you. And in the Ritz Carlton, it was different with him. Uh, he taught me that you know you just inspire, and that's going to actually get a better worker. Okay, and that's how, a lot of the mentality. How that do you I make that on. shift? How do you go from it is an overnight control in fear? Sure. But <laughs> how do you get there? How did you like? Did you have to go through this transformation yourself? It was a lot of it was a lot of like, yeah, absolutely how? for me because I, I mean I come especially with a military background where they're yelling at you as a drill sergeant, yeah, and then uh, being in a kitchen where there's you know there's that installation like you're. You're doing it because, you know, you don't want to get in trouble. You don't want to get the, the chef mad. And instead, here's like, you know, you want to have fun coming to work and you want to make it a place that 
people enjoy coming and making the chef proud versus being scared of getting in trouble. Yeah. And so, so it was a shift for me that took a long time. But reflecting back at that shift, take us through it and what things you started doing differently. Really paint that picture of how to go from command and control to come with me. Come follow me. How do you inspire? You know, it's something that I'm actually still growing every day, man. Yeah. Like, I, I think it's part of my personality. I have a strong character, and I get super aggressive when I'm in, especially like in the middle of a busy hour. I think uh, where I saw my shift is I, I realized that the secret to having a successful business is that you can't do it alone. You have to have a bunch of other people as a team yes. make it happen. Yes. And how do you how do you keep those team members there? It's like you you gotta make it an enjoyable place to come. And so it's not like and also as a boss, you, you set the pace. You could come into a, a a team that's working and they're in a shitty mood. And if you're the boss, you come in and you're, you're like in a good spirit and you're like, hey, how's it going? And you start bringing it up. It could completely change the tempo of the room. And the same thing vice versa. They could be a bunch of cooks that are having a great time. As soon as the boss comes in, he's a dick. Everybody gets in a bad mood and then there's a shitty. So you have to you have to come in and as a positive note, that's part of being a good a good leader, a good manager, a good owner, a good chef, whatever. Uh, someone in charge has to have that attitude. So I started realizing that. Um, I think more so um, as I as I became an owner, and I think I got away with it a lot longer, uh, not doing it because I was working in a place where it was a big funded place, like a hotel that somebody wanted to work for because of the benefits and all these other things that I could get away with being a little bit meaner. Yeah. But in a in a cookie shop and in a donut shop, there's so many other places that a cook can work. Yeah. Like you got to really do something different. Why do those cooks want to come and work for you? Mm. You know, that's a, a a job that doesn't pay all that great, but we do pay well in our company. And also um, there's a lot of other competition that they can go work for. So what sets you apart is you really want to make this a, a fun place to come and work's always going to be a grind. You know, you want them to work hard, especially if you're a successful, busy shop, you know? So let's, let's get into that. The question you're going to ask yourself, why do they want to come work for me? What answered that question? Well, I've been lucky because uh, I, like, uh, you know, I've had a, a really great career and I've accomplished a lot. So I'm very well known in the area as one of the top pastry chefs to work for. So honestly, I haven't really had much of a problem hiring people that want to work for me yeah. because they want to learn. But to answer that question, I mean, yeah. just through like obs- observation, they want to come work for you because they know that they're going to get an education. That yeah, gonna, and I think that's part of them. They're going to grow. They're going to learn. They're going to become better versions of themselves. Yeah, you want to, as one of the things that you want to offer as a good uh, employer is that you want to constantly be inspiring and, and also teaching and helping them grow. Yeah. And we, we nurture that here at Batch. And I learned a lot of that from my current business partner, uh, Adam August. Um, I didn't know him at all, and we, we met through LinkedIn. He reached out to a, a bunch of different like top pastry chefs in the area uh, when, he, when he thought about opening a cookie shop, and I think I was the only one that responded just because, um, remember I said I had two mantras that I, at the beginning before we started. The other one was that you know every single opportunity that's brought to me, I, I answer it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I um, respond to it better, better said. I respond to it. Because uh, like that cheesy, you know, quote somewhere that, you know, you take uh, what 100 chances that you take or whatever, the 100 chances that you don't take are 100 misses or whatever. How it is, you, know? you miss 100 so, of the chances you don't take. Exactly. So like, you said it better. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. But uh, honestly, like no matter how small or how like 
stupid it sounds, if somebody sends me a message on Instagram, LinkedIn, I've gotten a bunch of job op- offers. Um, we haven't even gotten to my consulting part yeah. of, you know, I've opened nine donut shops all around the world in the last three years since I left the Salty Donut. I know. And I, I really want to get into that. Uh, yeah. and I just want to summarize the and big And that t- happened because of that. Because yeah. every single person that reached out to me that had it, um, I responded to their 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 message that they sent me on Instagram or on LinkedIn or whatever it was, and I followed up on it. And so take every opportunity to like, don't, there's so many people that I know that never even look at their DMs. I answer every single DM, and sometimes it's up to 50 or 100 a day. I bet, man. And that's the, how crazy you I am. answered mine, I think, or maybe it was yeah. Corey that introduced and I do it, <laughs> And I do it with whoever, you know, yeah. whoever calls it. And, and you know what's cool about that is I've gotten so many people that actually, like, they think that I'm their friend, and they believe, like, we're friends. And that's yeah. what I want them to feel like. I try to use their names. Like, I'll actually go into their Instagram handle, and I'll see if, like, under like the description in the bio they have their name there so yeah. i use it when i respond mm-hmm. like these are all little tricks that i feel like i've done to connect with people and i want them to feel like hey you're not you're part of the family and you're coming here and i never say the word customer i always use guest that's something that i learned at the ritz but it's really stuck with me yeah and uh, you mentioned the ritz earlier but before we um just real quick i want to put emphasis on the key takeaways about getting to the point one of the biggest lessons you learned is you got you got to transition from command and control, dictate, shout orders to come with me, lead, inspire, yes, motivate. Well and the big things you the, the ways the things you learned is that you have to be enthusiastic. You have to be mindful of your energy when you're walking. Yes. And you also have to ask yourself why come work for me. And that could be yes. different for everybody, but you need to know the answer. <clears throat> so when you're selling yourself and your business to your future employee, they know what they're going to get. And if you can focus on personal growth, if you can make people better, if you can provide those skills, that's huge. The big takeaways I, I pulled from what you just dropped on us. Um, and actually, you, I can share with you please. three things that I that I try to, as a, as some, as a either a manager that's hiring somebody or as a business owner, um, because you have to think of those things even if, if you're not the business owner, if you're the pastry chef of a hotel. Like what I want to offer is, and let me tell you the three secrets to, to being able to hold on to a cook for a long time. I don't know if, you, if, if you've ever heard this one, but you may have. First and foremost and the simplest one that, that sounds really easy, but it's not always, especially like in really popular restaurants in South Beach, um, is parking. So if you can offer your cooks a place to park for free or easy, <laughs> They will stay with you, and they'll they'll take that job over another one in a heartbeat. Right, and I'm talking about more than money. This money is not in this in this top three. Um, two is you have to offer them a place that it feels like they're they're happy to come to. And how do you do that? It's very simple. Keep your kitchen clean and have the the tools and ingredients that they need. So what does that mean? How many times as a cook have you like needed eggs and you've been out because your, your chef has not order them? Or how many times have you needed a rubber spatula and they're all broken or somebody yeah. stole them? So have the tools they need and keep the place clean. It doesn't necessarily have to be the, the newest, fanciest kitchen. Just keep it organized. Keep it clean. Make it a place where they look forward to. How horrible is it to know you're walking into a kitchen that doesn't have the tools you need, that's just organized, that's dirty? You're going to fucking hate that job. Yeah. You know, pardon my French, but you're no, going to hate that job. It's been worse said on the show. So, um, and then the, the third, third one is what you mentioned, constantly like keep them learning new things and inspire them. So one thing that makes it different about me is that we're always doing a new cookie or a new donut. We have at least one special a month and that one rotates. So the people come, you know, our, 
Our fans come, our guests, as I said, come looking for that special of the month. And in the beginning of the month, we have a surge. They're like, they're running out. They're selling out before we even open because they can order it online now. That was a shift we took. Um, And then so they're constantly learning new things. And I also love to to teach them as I'm doing something new. I don't just keep it to myself and I don't want anybody to grow. Like, there's no ego. There's no, like, fear of losing my position here. You know, like, if somebody else is going to do a great job... There's enough people that love yeah. cookies out there. Go open up your own shop. You deserve it. If you can do it better than me, then go if someone else it. is going to do it and they can do yeah. it better than you, great. That's something yeah. else. That's something you can delegate. Yeah, honestly, like else. You're t- you're I love becoming else. friends with every local, um, like donut maker. Every cookie shop. I invite other chefs to come into my kitchen and make cookies with me. Like I, I don't feel a threat about that at that's all. I think huge. as I think as as chefs, we need to really take care of each other because, you know. Who else is going to do that for us? That's the embodiment of restaurant unstoppable. Yeah. That like if you open up and you and you give and you and you share and you and you make it about everyone else, it's going to come back around. You're going to get that. Love. And you know, gonna, I really believe in in, yeah. in in like that that whatever you give out, you get in return. Yeah, I really I don't know if you want to call it karma or whatever it is, but I believe in what you put out is what you're going to receive. And if you're that kind of person, and it's very like. It's kind of logical. If you're, if you're shut out and you're in your dick to everybody, those people are not going to be open with you. But if you if you show a little bit of kindness and 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 openness and generosity to somebody, man, when you need something, it comes back to you tenfold. And that's the way that I am about everybody that I think about. I love it, man. And um, and so with I think those three things, like if you keep them inspired, more than money, more than anything else that you offer them, if you give them those three things, you're gonna you're gonna have a great time offering like uh, getting new. Getting new cooks into your into your job, dude. I, I've been loving this conversation, Chef Max. Uh, we got to take our first break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. What is one of the most overlooked and important marketing tools out there? It's your menu. And honestly, I cannot blame owners for overlooking their menu. It can be super tedious and boring work, let's be honest. Not to mention, it's time-consuming between all the other channels of marketing, i.e. social media, direct mail marketing, and managing your operations and customer relations. Who has the time to dink around with their menu? Not many people, right? So that's why I'm super excited to introduce to you Pop Menu, the restaurant tool to turn more first-time guests into regulars. From the website to the marketing to the contactless ordering, Pop Menu is the full digital solution for your restaurant. Pop Menu also provides a dynamic mobile-friendly menu that hooks your customers from the start. And this is a really cool tool. Diners have the ability to leave dish reviews, which really helps your menu speak for itself. Beyond these engaging features, Pop Menu provides marketing tools to build long lasting relationships with your guests. For example, you have the power to send automated texts and emails to incentivize new orders or promote new dishes. You can even set up online ordering and delivery direct through Pop Menu. This means less ordering complications and loss commission to third-party apps. We all love that. Frankly speaking, when Pop Menu reached out to me to be a sponsor, I didn't know much about them. We all know my rules that I only promote the tools and services that are recommended on the show. So I had to reach out to my network to get their approval. And I have to tell you, the feedback has been nothing but positive. People really like the menu review feature, the email marketing integration, and the fast and friendly customer support, which cannot be overlooked. For a limited time only, get $100 off your first month, plus you 
can lock in one unchanging monthly rate. Go to popmenu.com slash unstoppable. That's $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. We're back, and I really now just want to get into um, your story of realizing, okay, if I'm going to be successful, I need I can't do it for somebody else. I, I can't make somebody else's dreams come true. I need to focus on my own dreams. So when did, when did that dialogue in your head start to like bubble up? Well, I always had felt like there was something more that I needed to achieve that to prove to myself more than any kind of other thing that was an influence. It was on me, how hard I am on myself. So self-driven is a big part of what did it. But when I, my last normal job I was bringing up earlier uh, was with the Thompson Hotel. It was with Michelle Bernstein, who's like the most acclaimed female chef in the history of Florida. Um, she's a James Beard Award winner, done a million different things. She's always on TV shows, and it was a big position. I got named like best working pastry chef uh, of South Florida for you know one of the biggest newspapers out here. I won the best donuts in Miami by Zagat. <laughs> like before I even knew I was going to open the donut shop. Um, and I, I was doing amazing things at a super, super busy hotel. So I was just also really burnt out mm. and I felt like there's nothing else I'm going to grow from after this. The next step is doing something on my own. And at the time that I got approached by my back then partners, uh, Andy, um, Rodriguez is one of the founders of the salty donut his idea was to open this donor shop for the first time, whatever. And uh, I just, I was ready. I said to myself, like, this is the next step that I need to do. Um, if you just ask yourself, like, are you going to grow from this position? Like, I really felt like no other position in, in, in a hotel as being the exec pastry chef running this many outlets. Like, I had done all that. Um, and I didn't really, like, like the next bigger thing, maybe if you go to, like, Vegas and do one of those giant hotels, that didn't, like... Yeah. seem really like something Didn't like resonate I really yeah. wanted to do. Yeah. So I thought like the next thing is really being a partner or something. And I had these like deer and headlight eyes. I just started seeing like my name as like partner or whatever, you know, founder in my business card and on my title. And that's what it, well, I was going for. I was super excited. And I got really like side, like, like hit like on the side, like whatever it's kind of like, um, because I had never really witnessed um, somebody that could be so deceitful. And I'm not going to go into like specifics too much, but just remember, like I am a blue collar worker. Mm-hmm. I, I worked my ass off for everything I got. And some people, they don't, they don't have that. We touch base on that. You start uh, much younger these days and you might have a backing, you know, so they had a really big fund um, and they were very young. So they didn't have the integrity and the respect that comes with, uh, you know, the position of a chef and how much they thought it was all about money. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think that way. And I think this is another really huge lesson as a restaurateur that don't try to do it all yourself, because I believe strongly that um, there's too many different things to watch over yeah. and you need to do it as a team. Yes. And I've seen it both ways to where there's a restaurant that has a chef that was amazing as a cook and now he's stepped in and. He has no idea of how to run a business and do finances properly because as a chef, like you want to put out the best possible meal and the best possible product. So you have a super high food cost. You don't worry about the, how much people you have working. And I've learned a lot from 
business partners that I've had as a as a as a business owner or as one of the the partners in a business uh, much more than I I did as a chef. Even though you're in charge, you don't really see like you're paying every single bill. It's coming straight from what you do. Yeah, uh, this is out of your check. You know, potential profit that you could be making. Uh, so you take it very differently, and um, I kind of got sidetracked. No, on man, that. What I was mean, I talking about? <laughs> you were talking about like you don't think you can do it on your own. Okay, so um, yeah, and I want to so, reinforce that. Yeah. By the way, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. Like exactly to be competitive in today's market, you have to be a freak of nature if you're going to do it by yourself. You have to be yeah. all over the place. Um, you need to have a lot of different strengths. That's not most of us. If you're one of those people, you know, good for you. Majority of people listening to this, you're not one of those freaks of nature. So you got to partner with people who are strong where you're weak, and you need to focus on what you do best. And also, um, you know, you could do it that way and still keep the chef element involved. If you're a business person that wants to open a cookie shop, find that partner who's an awesome chef that knows nothing about business, but he's ready to take the next step. But um, and don't leave that element out of it. Yeah. You know? But it sounds like what happened with you is you were so focused on how to do the food and how to create incredible food, how to run a kitchen. But what you didn't really this was your first. Four way, or what's the word I'm looking for? Four way, four, four, I can't remember the word. It's right at the tip of my tongue. Uh, people are probably saying it out loud, but this is your first attempt at owning a business. So you didn't know right. a lot about partnership agreements. I knew nothing about it. So, and in fact, what I thought I knew was completely wrong. The little that I thought I knew, I knew zero. Yeah. Zero. So it's so what tough. Would, what would you have done differently without, we're not here to drag anybody's name through the mud. We're not here to put anybody on blast, but we're yeah. here to learn from your mistake. What was your mistake specifically? Well, just, just learn this, you know, be, never change who you are, but, and I'm never going to change who I am. Like I want to treat others with respect and love and, um, but just don't be so naive. Like keep also that, be careful. Like, so never do anything without an attorney. And really you can hire an attorney for anywhere between three to 5,000 to read some documents for you. So that's like a really great, not so huge investment yeah. that's going to save you a shit ton of money yeah. later. <laughs> and if three and 5,000 is a lot for you, go check out services like LegalZoom, right? LegalZoom yeah. is a great tool out there that you can pay monthly. I think it's like 15 bucks a month. And the stupid month. thing is like you have so much, you probably have so many friends that you can ask yeah. also to help that it's yeah. free and that you just don't realize how important it is. They got me to sign something that is a non-compete that looked like a stupid small little thing. And I was just like, yeah, whatever, you know, I was just like deer in the headlights. I yeah. want to see my name as just a partner. Just sign where the highlighted area yeah. is. So I yeah. signed. They made sure I signed that. But the important stuff like giving me the equity and the bonuses that I promised that I took the lower cut of pay for, never got them. Okay. They made sure they dragged that out. Until so be mindful of non-competes. Be mindful yeah. of making sure what they said they're going to give you is included in the agreement. Yes, and you should have a good attorney that knows how to read a contract have and an that attorney. you get everything that you were promised in that writing. So, And also, don't start working until everything is like agreed upon in both. Because what happened to me is that they make you believe like, hey, yeah, you know, we, we already like agreed on this. It's going to happen. We just got to write it up. Like, don't. You know, until you get everything written and, and, and they shouldn't have a problem with that. You know, if you get it takes a couple of months. It's not something quick, guys. You're not going to just walk into a room, read a contract. These are like 30 to 40 page documents that take a lot of time and negotiations back and forth usually last about one to two months. And that's if you go fast. Yeah. Sometimes they drag even longer. Um, 
so get that done. Make sure everything you need. So that that definitely is one of the biggest lessons that I learned. Yeah. So and they did me a favor. Let me tell you something. <laughs> like, how long were you with this company? We don't need to. I don't want to keep on saying the name because it's just not worth it. But right. How long were you with them? I was with them for about two years. Okay. Yeah. And um, at what point? Um, like, where did it start to go wrong? Like, where, where where were you really starting to get concerned that like your intentions or your your best interests weren't being you know what was crazy about it is that I never made a lot of money there. Like I actually made less money than I've ever made in my life. <laughs> like even when I started, I took a huge cut because of the equity I was promised that I never received. Yeah. And also because um, it was just something I believed in and I was, I was drinking their Kool-Aid, you know, um, and we, we were doing something amazing. Like all the, the stars aligned and we had this product location and branding that was just so amazing and the right timing and there was lines around the block for us so I realized like a lot of it was because I was getting everything I wanted as like I had every ingredient it was like literally a funded like one small donor shop had like a million dollars of backing yeah. in it yeah and it, it was uh, a huge funded like we, I could get any ingredient I wanted uh, any like tool I wanted I had a giant beautiful kitchen as all the staff I needed so I was I was I had everything. I'm very happy. I loved my job. I just was very poor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. I had none of the money from it. Uh, well, did you ever speak up? And I was just believing in them. They were flat out lying to me, yeah. Eric. Lying to my face. The, the stupid shit that I believed is, yeah. is embarrassing, actually. I knew so little. And, um, you know, I just reached a point where they kept pushing the contract back. And I kept saying, like, what's going on? And... um you know, one of my partners, the girl, like she just was so rude and she said something to me that was just so like ridiculous the way she snapped at me for asking a simple question that I said, um, you know, if you don't apologize to me, like I'm just done. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not apologizing to you. Fuck you. Blah, blah, blah. More F words. Yeah. And I never cursed at her. And um, that was it. They were on their vac- They were on their honeymoon, <laughs> like whatever, like for they were gone for like a month. I was yeah. running the place alone. And uh, and then I get a cursed out over uh, over an email. So oh, that man. was when I packed up my shit and I left. But whatever. Long story short, was really like I was noticing and believing in them, and until like just kept seeing like there's something not right here. I'm not seeing any money, even though they're making a million dollars in the first seven months. I never saw a bonus. Like, and I just abruptly left, and I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. I grabbed my stuff and I left. Yeah. And uh, I was kind of screwed up, and I was you know not a good thing to do to my team, but. I also didn't just didn't like I wasn't being treated right and I wasn't going to continue on with yeah. that. And I honestly felt like at any moment they were purposely like going to fire me because they didn't want to give me any of the equity and they wanted to keep it off yeah. themselves. I mean, they had the, the, they had at the that rights point, to the they recipes. Did. They own the recipes. Yeah. Well, whenever systems, you create a process, yeah, whenever you work for a company like that company owns whatever you created during it. And I, I literally like created every single recipe that they were using. Um, that's what I'm good at. That's one of my strongest as one of my strongest aspects and points as a chef is that I'm really good at recipe testing, developing, and coming up with specials. Like that's my thing. Like yeah. if you need to go to somebody to come up with a dessert menu, it's me. Yeah, and that's what you started doing thereafter. I think we can probably transition into yes. that now. So, um, and I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but I, if you're reflecting back, I think you worked with how many different companies over the past? It was what time? What year did you leave? Um, the previous, which will be unnamed. Yeah, we'll just leave it unnamed. Um, well, I want to say 2018. Okay. Yeah. 
So we started past. at the end of at the end of 2015. We opened and uh, left around the I don't remember, but it was the uh, 2018 or so. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, in the last three years or so, um, I've opened up nine different re- different donut shops all over the world as a consultant. So reflecting at you coming in, were, were a lot of these uh, donut shops in business, or were they trying to open, or were they it was before they had opened? All of them before they opened, and also there's a few th- different consultings that I did that uh, that I didn't even mention that that it was either just uh, creating a, a dessert menu or helping them with a place that was already existing and open develop their menu better or fix their their donut dough. Okay, the dough is the most important part of a you know. Donut. So a lot of your consulting came with the the technician side of creating the actual product. Did you, which I don't, that's not really my, that's not my territory as far as how to do the thing, but as far as how to create a business around the thing and how to get, you know, you know, how to lead and how to manage and how to operate a business. Did you consult in that? Well, I I offer a complete package. Okay. I will teach you how to open. I can teach someone that has absolutely zero experience and knowledge about owning a restaurant or a bit or a bakery how to open a donut shop and succeed. So I guess what I'm curious, like going, going to help these, these restaurants, these donut shops open, what were the biggest things that you saw um, that people listening to this can take as a lesson? Like, like what were the things, that, like the most common things that people weren't doing that you helped them start doing? Well, I'll tell you this much. Uh, first of all, to become a, a successful consultant, you should do it uh, with having already some acclimations in your, in your history, you know? Yeah in your back pocket that you've done. Um, and definitely being part of the Salty Donut, I don't consider myself what I did was I, a loss because I made the most of it. I got a lot of exposure. Um, I learned a lot from getting screwed over, what not to do. <laughs> and um, and it's what you make of the experience. I could have cried in the corner and and said, oh, no, and just go, go find a job working yeah. for somebody again. But I, I just fueled me. Yeah, like it gave I you put great, this like, fire under yeah. my ass, and I just wanted to do more. And it gave you great accolades. You know, and you know what else? What you could do, right? Yeah, and also, I would never would have met my, my, my business partners at Batch. I never would have even thought of opening a cookie shop. So what's different <laughs> about this, really? Let's just get right into Batch, though. So what's different about this business that um, is, was better than what you did the first time around? Well, first of all, my business partners ha- have created their their um, everything that they've done and the success that they've achieved have been from what they built themselves. They didn't have somebody just give them money yeah. and open the shop mm-hmm. with no experience. Like they earned every single cent and busted their butts. So they're literally like blue collar workers like me. And I think that has a lot of integrity. Mm-hmm. And when you have like a business owner that's just worked in banking and they have like a lot of money and they, they just want to open up a restaurant. They don't care about the quality. Of that. Yeah. They don't have the same understanding of what it takes to run in it. Um, so that helped a lot. Um, and they're just really good down to earth guys. And um, we, they've been nothing but transparent. If you feel like somebody's hiding from you, even a slight bit, I would run. Mm. <laughs> you know? yeah. These guys have been from the very beginning. If anything at fault with, with Adam, my business partner is that he's too open. Mm. He tells you everything. He shares <laughs> What we're making down to the cent with every staff member. Every single one of our employees knows what we made that, mo- that week. But why is that a bad thing? Is that a bad <laughs> it's thing? not a bad thing, but I n- never experienced something like that. So he helped me grow a lot. Like- so what, when you, okay, so what you're describing is called open book management. Yeah, right? he does that, um, definitely. Why, 
when you when you first discovered this, what was your initial like? Whoa, whoa, like what was going on in your head? It just like hit me kind of slowly though. I just saw like his approach to like being so open. It's a, as a really good thing that I never would have done. It was the complete opposite of what my partners at at the other place were. They hid everything. They yeah. didn't want to tell me anything. Everything was sign a non compete, sign a non disclosure agreement. Everything, even with the the well, media, they do that. What happens when you do that? Well, well, it, it just builds a lot of like, hey, you know what's going on, and like, no, everybody's their enemy. Distrust. Like, yeah, you don't. Everybody like there is like everybody was like they didn't want anybody to know what was going on in our kitchen. Like everybody was your enemy. Don't bring chefs in there. But like don't don't let them see our recipe. Everything. So how does how is this? new approach of showing everything and sharing everything what how is that energy it's so different? great man wow. everybody feels like they're part of the like almost everyone is really a partner mm. every single employee what happens is so when important. you get the, to that level you have a staff that stays with you for a very long time they they love their job they they put out um like their 150 percent because they really they really love the company, and it's like they're true ambassadors of yeah, it. Yep. Um, so thank you for getting to that. Uh, what else was different about this new time around? Um, you mentioned that the partners, you know, they, they had experience in the industry. They understood the industry. They're, they're, they're open. They're transparent to the point where they're sharing every penny with every staff, recipes, everything. Uh, what else is different? Yeah, you know, they really care about um, getting to know me as a friend and not just a business person. Why is that important? Um, I think it's just something that that we feel is it makes you if you if you're getting along with who you're doing business with it's you know you have that trust if you have that you know you're just going to be better partners and better businessmen together Mm. you know rather than somebody who barely knows you and is just about money and just about the numbers uh we're really a family you know we do things together and um this really good guys and let me tell you something it's not easy to find that and you're not always going to get that. Doesn't mean you you have to have that either. I just got really lucky to have a, a successful company. Doesn't need really yeah. necessarily mean that, but you should be aiming for that. Yeah. I think. Uh, I'm, you know, what I'm really curious about is um, something I was thinking about earlier, but I didn't get around to asking the question. When you were mentioning how you found these guys, you found them on LinkedIn. Um, how long did it take you from first encountering these these partners to becoming business partners? What was the time elapse? Well, let me tell you how how it really became about. Like I had the non compete. And I couldn't do donuts in Miami. And I didn't even think about doing cookies. But when he brought it up, Adam, it was his idea. He Who are your partners? So Adam August and um, Nick Hicks. It's funny enough, Nick uh, owns a, a gym. Okay. And he's been doing his, his career in gyms. And, uh, and now he's making cookies. That's a little... And he also, is a cookie, <laughs> he also owns a cookie company. He's got to own a gym to be able to so do cookies. So he like, probably kind of like, you know, he supplies his own like clientele at the gym. <laughs> so... <laughs> But uh, this, he's our... That's he, smart. He's, you make your actually, clients fat, so they have to come back exactly, to the Exactly. No, really. but, but honestly, <laughs> like he is our... Uh, Nick is our... Um, we, we call him like the, the chief marketing officer because he, he trains a lot of future NFL and, 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 and also works with a lot of like, you know, kind of celebrity yeah. and, and athletes. So he has a lot of contacts and a lot of friends. And he's just... His, his personality is very outgoing. I mm-hmm. mean... He's an awesome guy. Everybody loves him. Okay. So it was a natural fit. He does our social media, which is doing amazing, and we take very seriously. And also anything that has to do with, like, you know, uh, collabs that we do with others. Um, so that's his role. And everybody has, like, that's Nick. their own role. Yeah, that's Nick. And then Adam August, is, uh, he's the one that really, like, is the day-to-day operations guy that um, handles all the finances, handles 
the new location that we're building right now. He's out there making those connections, those moves. He's the, the business side of everything. And me, I'm the food. Uh, so everything that has to do with the menu, um, creating the recipe, training the staff is me. And yep. we also just recently added on another great asset to the team that I feel like is a great component as well. And instead of being like an egotistical chef that says, oh, you know, I, I'm covering it. And like I welcome this. And now we have Michael McGowan, who also owns Pink Pie, is a new um, and his wife uh, also is uh, new. They're, they're new uh, partners that we brought in. And th- what they bring in is uh, really the execution side of how they've been doing things uh, in high volume and also really good at training uh, a team to run effic- effectively and efficiently. And that's what really what Mike brings. So we talked about this before we set up. If you can see like right behind you here in the yeah. kitchen. Uh, he came up with this technique, and I, 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 you know, even though I've led so many kitchens, like I didn't see it right off the bat. And this is an aspect that, you know, that that Mike uh, brought on. And I'll have B-roll of this what we're talking about. So go ahead and keep going. So um, before, and the with my mentality was when I came in early in the kitchen, we would um, we would make the we would start mise en placing everything. Which if you don't know what that mm-hmm. means, it means getting everything in its place. We would start scaling everything. And by the time, you know, like we were an hour in, we would start mixing the first dough. But what we do now is the night before, we have the nighttime crew scale everything and have it all ready so that as soon as they walk in at 7 in the morning, they're already putting the butter and the sugar, creaming it in the mixer and so on and so on. So you get the butter. You have the butter. Lined up like portion on top of exactly. all the different recipes. So when they, And so if you open up the fridge... You can see all the eggs already scaled inside the white cooler over there, next to that little one. Okay, yeah. okay. So why that is that? What, what, what happens? So basically, you're setting yourself up. You're getting the meats for the next shift. You're setting up the next shift. And you know what it is also that you don't realize? If you break those things up, it makes it a lot less like of a stressful day, even for the cook. So you have to kick the cook into it. And the cool thing about Adam is that he literally worked every single shift for the first like year. Yeah. Until he finally took a step back and started focusing more on like the operational now, side. How long has Batch been open for now? It's just been, um, it's going on a year and a half. Okay, keep And going. let me tell you something, like in the first 10 months we had already had made enough profits, not just revenue, profits saved because we didn't take any shares, like we didn't do any kind of profit shares for the first year because we wanted to save up for the second location. Mm. So nothing got distributed. We all had funds coming in from you know, our other jobs, me consulting, Nick, his gym, and Adam literally was drawing unemployment. <laughs> he did not pay himself. How do you hear, how much do you hear that of like from, a, from an owner or a restaurateur? Like you got to think about the future. You don't think about right now. And I think that's a, where a lot of people make mistakes. I almost got into business with somebody before Adam that he wanted to come on as my business partner without giving any kind of a money down and he wanted to draw over $100,000 as his, his pay, as his, his pay for the first one. Thank God I didn't get the business yeah. with that. You're going to encounter that a lot. But reflecting back on what Adam's doing is I think we, we focus so much on the dollar bills, right? And we forget that yeah, there's so many, the long-term plan. There's so many different types of assets, man. Yeah. Your relationships, like the physical like oh, the culture, team the built. team, yes. the people, you know, like we all have those now things. this amazing cutthroat, like I call her a shark. She's, she does our, um, Finds our location, so our real estate broker. Yeah. She's part of our team now. Yeah, uh, we have um, this company that Skywork that does all of the. They're like a one stop shop. They 
they do the architecture, the engineering, the construction, all in one. So instead of having like a GC and a, and a different architect, like he does everything in there and he's building the store number two and he's going to build every batch that opens. I love it. So, so we built this team, not just with our staff here, but also like with the company. So some of the things up to this point that you've learned from this experience at Batch is one, we talked about open book management. We talked about uh, the the new efficiencies of Mise en Place, of setting up yes. the the next shift with their Mies. The operations, uh, the operations of, it. of it. What else did Adam teach you that was new to you about operations that you think is just next level? Actually, before you answer that question, I want to go deeper on uh, this process of setting up Mies. How do you make sure this gets done every night? <laughs> What's the, like when you're not here? So if you're not here, how think about this way, man. We we you really have to you have to know the ins and outs of your of your operation. First of all, do all the costings before you start so that you have to know exactly what it's costing you to make every menu item. And then after that, there's an amount that you start seeing that you need for a week. I work on a weekly basis with what I order. I don't work where like when I'm running out of something, I order it again. No. Every Monday, we place an order for Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So what we just did for the week, I get enough to last me through to the next order. So... We always reach our, our, our quota. We get things enough in, in-house only to take up enough room for a week. Do you understand? So you're not having so much inventory. You're not spending the amount of money on, on ingredients that you don't need. Yeah. Um, you don't take up more space in your shop physically. You know, like all these things are super important. So you stay super organized and then um, know how, much, how many batches of each thing we're making. We know that, hey, if we look at our menu mix broken down, you can print that out. Use that tool. Really, really use it. Understand, like, after a while, you're going to know. If you make five batches of cookies, you can see, like, how many you're selling, how many you get out. By the way, this is a big thing that we do, and we open, we openly share our, you know, like, what we're doing here. I have nothing to hide. Yeah. Um, we make it all as simple as possible. We do batches of 100 normally, so we know exactly that we're getting 100 cookies out of it, right? Yep. So you see that you're selling 394 cookies. You're going to make a four-times recipe. You know, you're going to make 100 batch four times that week of whatever that cookie is, right? Mm -hmm. You know that for every one of your cookies, you should know the exact amount of flour you need already for the week. That all becomes like almost standard. Yep. After a few months, you're going to know exactly like what you're going through. When you put on a new cookie, you also have a realistic amount like you expect to sell of that. And we cut it off. We don't try to sell 100 of them on a date. That's going to create more work, take more more staff take away from the other sales of the cookies. So we know, hey, during the week, we cap it at, let's say, 50 of that special. We could have sold 100, but now we're making that just that one cookie. More often, it breaks up the whole like mess of like what you're... No, set yourself up for success. Plan what you're... You control what you're selling and to, a, to an extent. Yeah. You know. So instead of like losing so much manpower, like trying to prep that one cookie so many times like hey you know you're going to sell out of 50 you know and you stop selling it now you don't have to make it again tomorrow because you had you had enough prep what's the difference between selling out and and running out well you want to make enough so that it's comfortable uh and you're not pissing people off but also creates that demand and also sells kind of evenly all your other cookies you don't want to have something that's doing horribly on there it doesn't belong on the menu yeah and that's where a lot of times like a lot of places that have a enormous menu like some of them are not moving it's not even worth having it on there yeah 
you know, you don't need, we're, we're big on the philosophy, and Adam is, is to thank for this even uh, as well. Like, he didn't want to have a huge menu as to where I wanted to have at least a dozen cookies. Like, he said, you know what, nine is good, let's have one that rotates. Why is that important? Well, it, it just, you really put on the big winners, yep. and everything kind of just uh, sells evenly, which is really important that you have. Yep. You don't want to have, like, that wasted energy that you're making into a recipe and you're putting ingredients that are going bad. You should always want to have like your dough and your recipes being made at least every three days. Like yeah. you don't want to have anything that's sitting in there for days at a time. We're constantly making new batches of dough. We make small batches just like our name, Batch. Um, so we make enough just Fresh. to last no more than three days at a yeah. time. It also takes up less, t- less space in your, in your blueprint. Yeah. It takes up, you know, it keeps everything fresh. You know, it, it's it's just a, a smart way to to do business and to make everything fresh and delicious. Uh, well, that's and important. I think in this the other industry. argument too is like, how hard is it to do fifty things really well versus how hard is it to do nine things really well? Yeah, and I'd really love to. You know, I'd rather have something that's just great quality and have a few of them rather than a, a million different mediocre ones. And how much easier is it to train your staff? To that do too. Nine yeah, there's a well. there's a lot of pluses to it. You don't want to have so little that you only have like four cookies. Which, by the way, is all that the most popular cookie shop in the country has only four cookies on the menu, Levain. Yeah. You know, well, and everybody in the world copies them. They have four cookies on their menu. <laughs> that, that has been one of the biggest lessons. That was like one of my aha moments. I, I do believe in the mentality of do a few things really well um, and just put all of your energy into doing a few yeah, things it's, it's, really well. And it's suicide to try to do a whole bunch of different things. It takes yeah. way more labor. You're not going to sell them. They're going to go Your energy is finite. It's fixed. Right, you have a fixed amount of energy. You can choose to put that energy out into a lot of different things, or put it into doing a few things really well. Yeah. And if you can be the best at something because you're putting all of your energy into it, right, you're, you're more likely to be the best at it if you're putting all of your energy into it. And then all the other things that we mentioned, as far as operational efficiency, uh, the, yes. the, the the amount of overhead that you need to put, like just the, the the money you're putting into shelves, like like training takes longer. Yes. Um, you have more items that are getting just taking up and not even using. If you're constantly changing your menu, you're probably holding on to a bunch of like half open packages of certain ingredients that you're never going to use again for months. Yeah. Is yeah. there anything else that you think that just reflecting back at your experience here versus other experiences, things that you know have contributed to your success, whether it be leadership or operations, anything along those lines that we haven't touched on yet that you think needs to be brought to the conversation? Well, I just want to really reemphasize on what I've learned a lot here and, and from, from Adams um, and from what we're doing here is we're really building a great culture and um, really making it a, a wonderful place for our employees to feel like they really love coming to work. You know, it's going to be hard work. We're going to bust our butts, but we're proud of it. We're seeing our sales growing. Everybody knows we just made this much money this last week. We shared openly with it. Um, that's what I've really learned the most of and I love the most of it and I've grown from this place. Like I really, even though it was important to me before, I haven't seen it come to life the way I have here. And there's so many elements that contribute to you as a chef and a leader to come in and have that, that happiness yourself because it's got to be genuine. I also got to love coming into work. And when you come into a place where in the beginning we didn't know our, our, how the operations were going to go, you know, even though I've been a pastry chef for so many years, if I'm opening a new cookie shop, it's not the same as, as running a hotel or even a donut shop. Everything is different. We had to learn 
we learned it quickly because of the you know the the backing that I have, but and because of bringing Mike on, that hey, this is the way. Man, it was so much like more stressful before, and I was changing the menu like once a week, putting on a new cookie, like keeping it simple, but having a having an operation like the all way that, you're going to yeah, do all it. All that energy you're you're putting into creativity in designing new features or new products or whatever, right? That is energy that isn't going into leadership and, and coaching and growing exactly. your team. Right? And you're also you're also overworked. You're pissed off. Like, you know, like so, what else did he teach you? What else did Adam teach you about making a great culture that we haven't discussed yet? Well, just remember this: like, really, just keep it simple. You can always add on. So instead of starting with something so difficult and trying to show all your eggs in one basket, like they say, like you know, start off slowly. You can always add on. Uh, start with something that's going to be like obtainable. Maybe don't open seven days a week right away. A lot of people get in trouble with that because I, th- I, and I, I've seen that a lot. Why is it important not to do that? Well, you should start in stages and make things easier on yourself and your staff. It's a lot harder to train somebody and to get more staff that way. And also, uh, it gives you time to regroup. So. It also gives a chance to give a lot of people that day off at yeah. the same time so you have less staff uh, that you have to bring on. Um, make it a realistic also um, work schedule that you're open. You know, like we open up very late here. We're a nighttime company, so we don't open till 1 a.m. I mean, 1 p.m. and we're closing really late. So we do like, you know, without going into everything, our latest time that we stay open is till midnight now on Saturdays. Yeah. We used to do it even later before the pandemic happened yeah um and we were just kind of you know basing that on the success of of uh, a few other companies that have been really successful with that late People night don't eat cookies at what for breakfast for breakfast yeah <laughs> they don't and we were targeting like the late night um you know student and a lot of the success that we've seen from other companies um there's a company that we kind of like tailored the whole thing on that you know um they have a bunch of locations all around the country, and they keep things very simple, but they, they've been doing really great, and they have like 160 locations um, and so on. So we wanted to kind of grow on that, but we wanted to be the special cookie brand because we don't want to have a whole bunch of options. We want to do some really amazing cookies that we use a lot of really uh, fresh ingredients. Like I think there's no other cookie company that I've seen that uses more fresh fruit than we do here. Yeah. Like you'll see like lemons, bananas, apples, pears. Like it's crazy. I, I do it. everything. With the, Chef, I'm loving a, this conversation. Cookie. I think we've learned a lot. I, I am curious because I did see that you have um, maxed out coming to us. Yes. I'm so, glad. Thank you for bringing that yeah, up. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm so curious finally my non-compete is over. Okay. That's what I was curious about. I was like, he's doing donuts again. I was like, I thought he couldn't do donuts anymore. So, well, not only is my non-compete over, but I've also finally like, from the experience that I've learned, I've been super, super, like, just weary and, 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 and been very, like, careful of who I get into business with now. And, uh, and I really drag it out before I start it with, with the contracts, you know? So by the time that we're even getting into it, they'll, if they're not the right person, they'll fall out of it. Yeah. You know, like, I weed out the bad ones between that. Yeah. And I've met a lot of fishy characters, but I finally have what I feel is a really great person to be in. And I feel the same way I do when I feel with Adam. Uh, and let me touch on something really quickly. I want to go back because um, I, didn't, I didn't know who Adam was. You know, we found, we found ourselves, even though we hit it off pretty well and we had a really great com- few conversations. Like when we first started, I told him, you know what? Donuts are my thing. 
I know that cookies are making a. I already knew how great Levain and all these other cookie companies were doing. You know, there's another cookie company here in Miami that freaking kills it. They're doing freaking amazing. Night Owl, like, those guys make a shit ton of money with cookies, just cookies and milk. Um, so I knew this already, and I knew it was a smart business move. So you know your market. Yep. Know what you want to do, how, how the other businesses out there are doing before you get into something. And remember, I think it's smarter to open up a place that has one to three great things rather than be a bakery that makes all kinds of shit and you don't have an identity. You don't have an identity. And also, it's much easier as somebody that doesn't have the huge experience that I do to start. For the one to three years that I told you to do, focus on just that element. Find out what you think is missing and the location that you want to open. Hey, does that location, like, is it missing a great cookie shop? Is it missing a great croissant shop? Is it miss Like, also find out what the most popular, like, do you know that the top three selling uh, desserts in the country are cookies, donuts, and ice cream. Not That's in that a, particular order. Okay. So I'm I'm the owner of two types of those. Uh, two of those yeah. So I just got to incorporate just, the ice cream. I've been thinking the whole time. My, it's funny you mentioned that. This whole time I'm like, I would love to see you do a collaboration with an ice cream shop. Yeah, like, it's gonna happen. You know, like for, for sure. sure. Yeah, man. That would be I, who did I have on the show that I can introduce you to? Her name is escaping me right now. Oh man. Um, Oh, it will come to me, but uh, if I can, you'll find somebody. I'm sure. But There's so many, and I and I love soft cook- serve. So I'm thinking I might even start doing my own soft serve at my donut shop. Nice. How awesome would it be to just like you know get the cup, put the donut on it, and just right into the hole like pipe so, this giant. So maxed out. Is that going to be different business partners? So it is. It's completely separate from from what I do here at Batch. Okay. And uh, I'm going to have the majority. So this is where I was getting to before. So actually, Adam. Adam came to me with, with more of an amount of equity that I, that I have now because I told him, you know what, my donuts is my thing. I, I, I still want to do it, but I know how great cookies are, and I also don't have a non-compete with cookies, so I can do it. Yeah. So I said, yeah, let's, let's fucking do it. But you know what? Like, um, I want to take more of a cut in the beginning because I don't know you. Yeah. I don't know you from Adam. Yeah. <laughs> you know, literally, that's his name. Yeah. Um, and you might suck at business. And that's really like my mentality with people that I work with as consultant, I can't tell you, like almost every one of them wanted to do it as a business partner with me. But I told them, you know, I'd rather get my money and you do your thing. Yeah. And that's it. You know, we can still do projects together in the past, but I really don't want to worry about how well you're doing a business. I don't know if you're gonna if you're gonna have this within a year from now. So twenty five percent of zero is zero. Yeah. You know, so no, I wanted my money and I want it now. There's a lot of people that's they, they try to tempt me with like well, you know, we're going to do all these things and, you know, you're going to have part of that. I'm like, no, I don't know what you're going to build. So, yeah, so give yeah. me my money and then we can do business. So I told Adam, like, let's, let's get X amount at the beginning and then I'll take a lower amount of equity. Now I'm like slapping myself because I see how amazing he is. If I would have known then, I would have probably just started with the bigger amount. Yeah. But you never know. Yeah. And I had been jaded already so yeah. much that I didn't trust. So, so one of the things I'm curious about is if you're, if you're finding new business partners for Maxed Out, right? Um, how are you? Because you're gonna have to remove yourself from. Well, that's uh, the beauty of it. We, a little we bit, have, right? we have an exact amount of requirement what they expect from me, and I always blow it away by more. You know, I always. So when you say more. what they expect, you're talking about Adam, Adam, and, and Batch, and Batch, Batch in itself. Yeah, and I always exceed it. Like uh, that's just a you know for the the sake of writing it because we've we've grown to know that we can just trust what our word is it means more than a piece of paper we're, we're doing the piece of paper to make sure we cover our asses but uh, we know that we, we we trust each other and we're going to do what we need to do for the company and one of the things like from what I started 
is I'm not opening Max.Donuts thinking that I'm the chef working the grind every day. I'm, I have my pastry chef that's yeah. going to run it. And you have the you already have the recipe. You have everything you need. Now yeah, you're and just I, putting and your team in the systems. And I'm already like, I've opened 10 yeah. donut shops already under my belt. Like, exactly. There's no one more qualified a, to open this. This is just another day at the office. So now me. it's going to be me as the main owner. Uh, I have a, another partner that's also the investor that's going to be my operations manager. And I got so lucky because he's been in the restaurant industry and you don't usually find both that somebody that has money and also has had the front of the house experience. I wanted that mm. because I don't want to necessarily worry about the front of the house aspect and also running the numbers. I want another Adam for my cookie shop. I mean, for my donut shop that I have for my cookie shop. So I got that again and uh, I got, just got really lucky again, you know, and there's people out there. Just don't be, don't jump on things. Be careful. Do the things yeah. right with your partner, with your, with your attorney and uh, weed out the bad ones. I think that's a big lesson right there is like people do rush into relationships and you really got to know who's on the other side of that relationship. And, you, and, and it's kind of like dating advice. All those ladies out yep. there that are... Just do things <laughs> right. If you do things right, man, let me tell you, if you do things right, don't rush in. No one that has... Even, even those people that don't have good intentions are going to rush into signing a contract because they want to screw you so they want to keep like playing at it. So you'll weed out the bad guys and the ones that stick through it are the ones that you should have been with. Yeah. You understand? The ones that go through it and really appreciate your, what you're bringing to the table. Like I have a brand. I could have started on my own, man. Like I, I have enough money saved where I could have done something small and grown it into it. But I feel like I'm past that. I'm at a level where I can start with a big a big place doing awesome things right away because of my reputation. Yeah. And I think, and I think it comes back to what happens when you do a few things really well, because now you can yeah. train people to do a few things really well and they can master that. Now you don't need to be in the cookie shop to make sure that the thing is being done really well, because you can get people up to snuff fast. Yes. That frees you up. We to have go some out awesome and work on other projects. We have some awesome and it just worked out. The timing was great. Uh, we've been open for about a year and a half and we have some awesome employees that I trust already. Yeah. And let me tell you, like the first, I can see it just from my yeah. time here. Like the first six months, I was there every freaking day, working like tons of hours a yeah. day, 12, 15 hours a day. It takes time to replace yourself. And with our second location, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to be there for the first month, maybe. But we're bringing on some of the key players from yes. here to over there. And that's uh, that was. One and of we're the training some of the people you, already now too. Yeah, you're 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 opening your second location in May, correct? That's the Hopefully. the target date. Knock on wood. Yes. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah. So, but uh, knowing that's one of the great things about Adam, like he is, he's a beast, man. He got this place open super fast, faster than anything I've ever seen because he's just like there every day. He becomes like this little, like annoying, like almost put yeah. like <laughs> driven person that just like is knocking on everyone's door. Are you ready to do this? Are you done? Are you done? Are you done? Like yeah. he's just like that. He gets shit done. I love it. And. uh and I have no doubt that we're going to open on time. Uh, you know what took the longest right now with COVID? It was the permits. It took so much longer. You couldn't expedite it like you do before. Everything is done online. So there's like you couldn't really get it any faster. So that delayed us like three to four months. Or else mm-hmm. we would have probably already been open by April. Yeah, yeah. And um, is, I, I, I love this conversation. Is there anything that you want to get on now? Now is the time to get it out before we move to the speed round. Well, um, just to, to, to touch on how, how I'm doing that really, like, like you said, um, I have the best job in the world right now, dude. I can honestly tell you that I'm living the dream. Nice. Who, who gets to really say that, that cheesy-ass line? Right. Uh, but I'm really living it. Like, I honestly, like, my job here, my job role in Batch, I don't have to do the day-to-day operations unless I, I want to or I get asked. Yeah. You know, of course, I'll jump in to help. But we have a great staff. 
everybody's doing the day-to-day operations. My job is to come in and come up and create the next month's special and also whatever it, holiday theme it is. Like I just yeah. came up with, you know, the one for uh, for St. Patty's Day. You know, so I did a, a Lucky Charms cookie that was green. It was I sold out within two hours. Nice. I'm not even lying. Here. That's awesome. And um, and that's what I do. And now I'm coming in and I'm gonna I'm gonna work on April special. We're taking pictures of it. So you know, work into that social media aspect of it. So we take pictures like two weeks before. Uh, we already have the menu planned out for the specials an entire year out. I, I gave them what I was going to do for every month of this year already in January. And then we work on it the month before, two weeks before we have the pictures taken. We're ready with social media. We're ready with the training. Yep. Everything is, is like that. It's like clockwork. That's what I do here. So I only need to be here really like one one to two like days out of the month. That's awesome. That's it. So that's how I can go and I do the other. I love it, man. Great stuff. Um, yeah, so. so one question I'm asking all my guests because the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. And I really do believe that if we can paint the picture of what it takes to be successful in this industry, if we can transform restaurant owners and operators, we'll transform the world because we have so much influence. And think about the influence of the, the kids we get to work with, right? And the young people we get to I inject our values into. So if we can transform this industry, I know we're going to transform the world. How have you transformed formed over the past 30 years in your career in the industry you know with that said it's like there's so many different um, outlets in this in this field it's not like this is just one way of doing anything you have hotels you have restaurants you have bakeries you have uh, as a personal chef as a uh, you know as a cookie shop as a bakery as a so there's a million different ways you can make money don't just like do one thing you know like what I've learned is I, I I tried and I think I've always been this way because I I can handle a lot of things at once and I get really bored just doing one. I don't think I could ever just do one thing, but I'm literally part of four companies right now. And I think I told you that in the beginning. You were like, whoa, you know? <laughs> um, so I am founder and, and, and part owner and the chef of, the, of Batch. I'm opening up my donor shop. I also have my consulting, uh, which is consulting by Chef Max that I still actively do practically every day Mm -hmm. i literally just signed on to train someone that's going to open a donut shop so i just signed a consultancy that's happening in spain wow and i'm also going to do a consulting with a crepes maker here locally in miami like i'm constantly doing that yeah and then on top of that i'm opening a uh we're starting a company called wild and rooted with another another totally separate set of partners and friends that i've known for years uh, and it's going to be a cbd chocolate gourmet chocolate and edibles company which i think is another enormous part of of, of this industry as something that you can do um not even with a shop like we're going to be doing everything online and we're going to be global so you can sell to all over the world like it's endless man yeah don't I, I think, think close-minded yeah and i think that there's this weird thing um what I've learned is that there is this period of where what you got to do exactly what you did. You got to put your nose down. You got to grind. You got to learn. You got to get mm-hmm. perspective. You got to take it all in. And over time, you're going to learn so much about yourself. People are going to point it out. They're going to tell you what you're good at. You're going to figure out your strengths, your weaknesses, your passions, your desires, your interests. And that's like a good solid 10 years or at minimum, right? Of really putting the hours and the work in to figure out who you are. Then over time, you got to start taking your foot off the, like the, 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 the gas of doing the work and start redirecting that energy into what, what value have I created in myself? How can, how have I become a person of value and who needs my value? And then you start, and that's exactly what you've done. Like you become a person of value. People need your skill sets, your value. And then you 
take that element that you bring to the table and then you just focus on that element, right? And you and you be that solution to other people. But you're smart about balancing your commitment, right? Like saying, this is my job. This is only my job. It's on paper. This is what I bring to the table. On to the next. Like that, yeah, and I you think- got to see. I just keep my, I keep my hands in a lot of different things and don't limit myself to one. And it comes back to what I said in the beginning. You're never going to get rich busting your ass in a kitchen as a, as a chef. You've got to be outside of that. So I'm going to teach somebody to run my donut shops while I'm out here opening up other companies. Yeah. And that's yeah. how I'm going to get rich and successful. And I'm, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to limit myself. I'm going to Could you say respond you're unstoppable? to every... I'm unstoppable, <laughs> yeah. baby, like we started. Yes. And I'm going, to, I'm going to respond to every single opportunity that's given to me. And I'm going to take advantage of every tool that there is out there because... We didn't really touch much on social media, but that's a huge part of me. Like I literally like I'm almost addicted to it now because I I respond to every single person that comments or DMs me and I post on, you know, LinkedIn, uh, of course, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. (laughs) So like I'm all over the place and um, it's a huge part of what I do. And I collab all the time. Let me tell you, this is a great way to, to, to get known, you know, do it with somebody that is going to be like going to bring benefit to you because there's a lot of like little crappy companies that are going to want to write off your fame but you know does it is it a good pairing for you so you've got to be smart about who you pair with what do they bring to the table as well um so make some smart collabs get their followers to see your product get your followers to see their product you know like i'm constantly doing collabs um i'm i would love to collab with you on a project um where you teach people how to collaborate and we can do this remotely. If you, if you're ever interested, yeah, if you (laughs) want to give us 30 minutes, 40 minutes remotely via zoom, I can bring together some of the the folks in the network and I would love to see your process for setting up those collaborations. Uh, the things you need to consider when doing a collaboration that you've learned the hard way and how to get the most out of collaborations. Would you be interested in that? I'd love it. Let's do it. And I'll give uh, the people out there listening. Another, another really good, useful thing that helped me a lot is take, Participate in as many events as you can as a chef. Yeah. Um, because not only are, are you going to like uh, get a new crowd of people to see you, which is ideal, but you're also going to make network and connections with other chefs that are in that group. And they're gonna, you're, those are going to help you be people that you future collab yeah. with. Because I think there is value in collaboration. That's one of our core values at Restaurant Unstoppable Network. Uh, all integrity. We are students. We are... Uh, educators we communicate we collaborate we show up we have fun uh, are the core values and i i agree 100 percent that like you can't and it's do a domino it effect yeah you know absolutely. when you start doing it with others other people see that and they want to collab with you yeah and i literally i'm not even joking with you i get about like two to three calls of people want to collaborate every day i bet You're i like, just oh, got man, off a bunch of <laughs> and, and, and it's like how do you juggle this? Because I take on everything. I, I don't say no. Like, try not to say no as yeah. much as you can. Try not to say no. Yeah. Like, unless it's absolutely not possible, be very organized. Uh, so I have lists. I make lists of everything, Eric. <laughs> list, list, <laughs> list. I got a freaking giant um, um, dry erase board in my fucking apartment. Oh, like, man. I so I, I literally <laughs> write it up there. I'm old school. And I also keep it on my... You know, I keep it on my phone as well, and I put things in my calendar. How many calendar. different lists do you have? Is it one master list, or do you have sublists? No, sublists. Uh, and I update my to-do list every day, too. What are your sublists? So, um, you know, I have the big board. Well, I'll, I'll write, like, what I'm doing, like, in, in a big, broad, like, general way of doing it. Then I have, like, what I'm doing for the week. Yep. And I also have, like, what I'm doing for 
Batch or any of my four companies. So those are the sub ones, I, I guess. There's a, a there's oh man, there, I can't remember. I think it's How to Eat a Frog by mm-hmm. Brian Tracy, where he gets into like list best practices, which is huge. Um, I'll link to that book in the show notes. Max, this has been a great conversation. We're going to take one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to bust out a true speed round. I started this podcast because I have a passion for serving people in the restaurant industry because they have a passion for bringing people together with the ultimate love language, their cooking. But with all that cooking comes great, giant, greasy piles of pots and pans, and we can't waste our valuable time with endless sink changeovers, so we must upgrade to Don Professional Pot and Pan. Don Professional Pot and Pan cleans 58% more pots and pans than the leading competitor, less dish soap, fewer changeovers, and more time doing what we love, bringing people together with the ultimate love language, food. Not to mention, Procter & Gamble Professional also provides a wide range of disinfectants for your business needs. Get the cleaning disinfecting products you need and the peace of mind you deserve. Dawn Professional, it's clean, upgraded. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure your profitability and restaurant success. Trusted by over 400 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the tools you need to streamline labor operations, communicate with your team, and retain your talent. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you already use and trust like toast, turning labor into a competitive advantage for you and your business to get three months absolutely free. Head over to www.sevenshifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven S H I F T S.com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Get on it. All right, we're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Wow. Okay. Um, I believe the thing that sets me apart is um, just the quality of my of my product, the uh, flavor. Um, I set trends. I'm not a follower. Mm. So like a uh, trendsetter and... Uh, and my flavors uh, as a chef with all the experience that I've had, you know, like uh, I think that's really what set my donuts aside in the beginning. What's your like, biggest weakness? My biggest weakness, I'd have to say, is also one of my strongest points um, that I'm very much a perfectionist. And I've had to like ties you up a little bit. Yeah, I've had to like really lower my expectations of what others are doing uh, in order to increase my like higher my my happiness i love it uh what is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're building a team so i don't look anymore so much for what um what kind of background or or experience you have i look for the things that i cannot teach and uh it's somebody's like personality if they're outgoing or not believe it or not it's super important in this in this especially these days with an open kitchen yeah i I believe it Uh, what's your biggest challenge so um, my biggest challenge, again, is myself, um, just keeping that attitude up um, of being happy, being cheerful, being like uh, not so hard on others, like, I, like the, the, the part that I grew up of the chef side yeah. of getting rid of. 
Uh, what is one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team? So this is a core value, a way to be, a way to act. Well, um, the one thing I think I, I teach everything is to uh, – it's one of the lessons that I teach to everything is to, to work smarter, not harder. Uh, think about without um, – what's the word I'm trying to look for? Uh, you don't want to ever like compromise yeah. your product, mm-hmm. you know. So never, never compromise the end result. But if you can find it a better, easier, softer way of doing it, do it without without you know taking a shortcut. And as listen, far as I've quality. been doing this for over twenty twenty seven years now, and and I'm still young. So keep an open mind to as a as a chef that you think you know it all. Yeah. To like something that even a newcomer could bring you. Yeah, you're, oh, and that's one of the core values again. We're students. You're always learning. There's always a better always way. Students. Yeah, I love it. Uh, what is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? So this is something that's common within the, within the four walls of your businesses, but not common throughout the industry to go above and beyond to serve. Or to serve? Um, well, I think what's uncommon about my with the way we operate is more of what I was going to share is that what I've really learned here at batch is like, just be completely open. Like don't, don't close off. Like even to your, you know, even about your books, like what you're doing. I think that's very like unconventional. You don't see that. Like every single one of our employees knows what we're making. Yeah. You know, I don't think you should share like what everybody else is making. That kind of starts controversy. Yeah. But we do have a tier of like what we offer a beginner, what we offer someone that knows a little bit more about decorating because we do these, we didn't even touch on that. We do cookie cakes, and they're like freaking like super popular. I love it. Um, what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Oh, you got to read like the the whole like uh, um, the autobiography or like you know his 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 lessons uh, from Danny Meyer. Yeah, I think setting it's like the table. Our yeah, it's our like you know Adam had everybody read this, and we met together as a as a team and went over, like, what we got out of it and had a whole, like, you know, thing about it outside of work together. That was really cool. I love it. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Oh, man, I didn't read that one on the... I'm <laughs> sorry, well, well enough or often enough? Something that you think that we could just be better about in the industry? Well, I think that I think, you know, a lot of this is kind of past and there are still some restaurateurs that think this way because they, they, like I mentioned before, probably didn't grow up in the industry. And the thing that helped me a lot is because I started from the very bottom and now I'm a business owner, but I've, I've worked every position and I don't mind still grinding and getting in there with washing dishes even. But, uh, you know, I think the most important thing is like, if you have a happy staff, there will be you have happy workers they're going to make your product that much better and your customer service that much better so so it's almost more important to make sure you treat your 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 employees better than your customers i love it oh name one service you've hired or outsourced to so when i say service i mean like a person that does something really well and you outsource to that person or group of people to do this for you that's really a great point to bring up because it's a mentality that i that i that I think is, is super important. Like, don't try to do everything yourself. Um, for instance, when I started the Salty Donut, and I'll elaborate a little bit on this because um, I know this is a speed round, but I, I was about making everything from scratch. And what I've learned, uh, there's some things that, that take up way too much 
of your of your time and also takes requires more manpower than necessary when you can achieve it much easier and still just serve just as good a product. So find out what those things are. And the one we do here is um, I don't make any of the jams in-house except for one of the compotes. But we have, a, like for our peanut butter and jelly, we found the best. And we, we actually interviewed like three of them to bring our products and talk to them. Um, so we have a local jammer. Nice. And they make, the, made, they make the jam with local vendors from like, you know, down in Homestead, the farmers, whenever possible. And think about it. You don't have to worry about fresh fruit ripening, you know, going bad waste. Is it properly ripened? Like somebody else does that for you. It takes up less space in your kitchen. And also that takes hours of cooking to make a yep. jam. It literally takes hours and we go through a lot. So another thing that we touched on, it's collaborating with another great person. Another collaboration. So you're yep. bringing on, we're showcasing that we're using a small local jammer. We're not using Smuckers and this giant company yeah. that's corporate. We're literally using another great local small business. Uh, we're a local small business. We're taking care of each other, supporting each other. And people really value that and they see like it's a. It's What's the name of this company? Thing. Uh, Gable's Delight. All right. Well, and be sure she, to link to that. show notes. Awesome stuff. She just got chosen to be the official uh, jam for Salt and Straw okay. that's coming here. To nice. Us. You know the, who that is, right? No, I don't. Actually, Salt and Straw. Salt and Straw, they make the ice cream. They're like the most okay. famous ice cream company in the country is right now. She got asked. That's a huge Salt deal. Nice. That's how good she is. And this is the company you're going to be collaborating with with uh, your uh, ice cream. <laughs> I want to say that. <laughs> Funny enough, they're doing a collab when they first moved here with that company that I used to work for. Really? That's a huge part. But yeah, we'll, we'll steal that away once they see how much better my donuts are. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it. Uh, okay, this is... Oh, I'll stand. You know what? I'll stand my donut up to theirs any day of well, the your week. It's my donut, but, but they, now they've given, executing. you know, whenever you bring on a new chef, they give it their little tweak and they've screwed it up more. But I honestly, <laughs> my donut dough has grown so much since I, you know, what I learned the most when I did these collabs around the country is that ingredients are so different. Yeah. Um, even the sugar is different, man. Yeah. Like they don't make it exactly the same, like grain size. It doesn't melt properly. Uh, flour is inconsistent around the world. I bet. And, um, Everywhere that I went, I had to really tweak my recipe to work. It's not the same. You can't yeah. translate it from here into into. The water, I went to Saudi the Arabia. Yeah. The water, everything, exactly. And so, I really broke down my recipe to understand like the the proportions of like how much percentage of fat it needs to have, how much uh, uh, protein content needs to be in my flour, like how much moisture needs to be into my absorbed into it, like all of it. And I didn't think about any of these things. And also more than the recipe, honestly, I've learned more about procedure, like the way that you handle the dough, the processes with it are so important. Things that I didn't know when I first opened the salty, you know, the, the other place yeah. and that I know now. So my dough has never stopped research and development. I haven't, you know, I haven't had a donut shop for three years, but I've been doing it more than ever. And, and I never stopped like working in it. So my dough right now is at a place that, it's better than it's ever been before. And everybody that eats it sees the difference. I love it, man. Um, this is one more, two more questions will be wrapped right, up. It. What is one piece of technology that you've implemented in your business that's had a huge impact on communication, efficiency, profitability, anything along those lines? Well, um, I give it would have to be the name of something to help another business owner. I don't know um, the particular name for it, but what I would always um, recommend for every large vendor that's out there can put your 
your entire like list of, of, of ingredients onto onto their their f- platform and actually calculate like how much you're using of the ingredient. Mm. So we do that, and Adam was a big part of doing that. He's like, yeah, there's a, so amazing. Dude, with I think technology. you guys heard of Mies? No. Yeah. So there's a check out. I'll link to it in the show notes. I'll, I'll put yeah. it there. But it's getmees.com slash unstoppable. And I'll get back to you with you know I'll get it from Adam and 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 we'll we'll see what exactly yeah. he's using. But he. He operates like he just directly puts it in there and it keeps track of like everything for you, what your food costs is, how much you're going through, how much you're actually like spending on on ingredients. And that's a, been a super huge tool. Um, and also it, it, it helps you like order like consistently each week. So, you know how much you've been ordering throughout the throughout the they can show you exact like utilize all these tools. Yeah. With, Find out the name of that tool that you guys um, I can yeah. reach out to Adam, too, if you'd like me to. But. This is the last question. It's a doozy, so get ready for it. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure, with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy. What would those pieces of wisdom be? Three. Oh, man. This is one that I, I read that over in there. <laughs> and I was like, man, I don't, this is too deep. I don't even like going <laughs> it's, a, it. it's a tough one. Oh, man. You know, um, I really would love to think that that I'd be left behind my memory of like a, I was a, just a good person with a good heart and generous. Be a good person with a good heart. And generous, yeah. Like and I generous. really, I can't tell you strong enough, like what you put out there is what you get in return. What's two? Um, that man, that, that, that guy can fucking cook. You know, it was amazing. <laughs> He's an amazing cook. Because listen, more, more overall that I think it takes a lot of things to be a chef, but you don't necessarily have to know how to cook. Uh, to be a good chef and a good leader, um, but man, like, it's a super important to me. Like I, I know that one of the things assessing aside is that I, I just know how to make things taste great. I love it. So to remember <laughs> that I made things taste really delicious. And what's the third one? Jesus, I, I, I don't even know, <laughs> man. I don't honestly know. I, you know, I'll I take one. In general, just like, put time into relationships. You know, I think a lesson that I pulled from today's conversation. So I'll give you one. How's that sound? All right, put time into relationships. Uh, the right relationships. Don't don't rush in. You know, find the right people. Is that find fair? the right people to to make relationships. And I, 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 you know, I without even thinking too much about it, that definitely has been an important thing in my whole life. Yeah. Really, who, who I get close to. Chef Max, I've loved this conversation. Thanks thank, for the thank, help on that last one. <laughs> you're fine, man. Thank you so much for today's conversation. We wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. So who do you respect and admire? And if you can't just stay, say one, you can drop them multiple names on me. Who do you respect and admire? Well, somebody that I really would love to for you to get in touch with and do something like this. I don't know if you, you mentioned that you hadn't done it with him, but I'm sure he's done some kind of a, he's in his career. Uh, Chef Norman Van Aken. He is uh, the most acclaimed chef in the history of Florida, and I got to to work for him for a long time, and still do, still do things with him, and still am uh, very close with him. So please reach out to him, and uh, that's somebody you can you can see while you're down here, you know. Yeah. And also, um, you know, because I can mention a bunch of other ones that are that are not local, but he's like the first that I come to. And also, I, we talked about Adam; he would make an ideal person. He does a lot of extracurricular things also on the side, like. I know he does like uh, he, he mentors like 
young future business leaders. I don't remember exactly what the whole like thing is, but he's constantly What's his last name? Adam? August. Adam August. Look out, like Adam and Norman. I'm coming after you guys. I'd love to get you on the show. Yeah. And how can we connect with you? If we really enjoyed today's conversation, we want more from you. What's the best way to connect? Well, please. I mean, if you're ever in the Miami area, look me up. Um, or the Fort Lauderdale, which is just a little bit north. If you're not familiar with Fort Lauderdale, I point out Miami because nobody really like they're not from, from Southern Florida. <laughs> yeah, they're not from like the, in the area in Florida in general. They're, they don't know what Fort Lauderdale is, yeah. but um, that's where all the batches are more in the north, the north area. Uh, but they can find me on Instagram, which is where I'm like always posting constantly, like crazy. What's your handle? It's really simple. It's Chef Max Santiago. She- Chef Max Santiago, and Instagram. I'm on. All of the social media outlets, except for like, I don't do TikTok. Okay, <laughs> which probably doing is, enough. Probably be a good idea to be on there too. Right. But, uh, but every single one of them has the same thing, and that's a good that's a good piece of advice. Also, like keep it really simple for people to find Consistent. you um, across all boards. If you look up Chef Max Santiago, that's same photo, same handle. That's me. Like yeah. it's I I have the the Chef Max Santiago handle for every one of my uh, social media outlets. And if you Google my name, you'll see a bunch of stuff come up because yeah. I try to be as active as I can in everything I can do. Yeah. And I'm going to do what I can to get Chef into the network. And he's already agreed to do a 30-minute Q&A for you. So if you guys enjoyed today's episode and you want to connect face-to-face with Chef over Zoom, make sure you connect with the network. Um, and, um, yeah, we're, maybe we'll even do a, a workshop together on what was the, the topic of the workshop? Collaboration. The collaboration. Right. And also, I just want to mention that, again, it's Batch the Cookie Company, uh, and we are Batch Cookie Co. on all our social medias yeah, as well. Batch keep, Cookie Co. And keep an eye out for Maxed Out. And keep an eye out for Maxed Out. We are going to be... <laughs> We're going to dominate the uh, the donut game here in South Florida and hopefully around the country. Chef Santiago, there is no questioning, my man. You are unstoppable. Yes. Cheers. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank it's you. It's been fun. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Chef Max Santiago, man, killing it. Tons of advice dropped on us today. I think the big lessons in today's conversation, knowing your value, well, first becoming a person of value, uh, sharpening that sword and growing every day for not for a year, for 30 years, like Chef Max did, becoming that person of value and then breaking off when you know that you, you have that value and then using your value to create opportunities and to, to stay in your lane. And that's kind of what Max is doing today. And I think that was his biggest mistake when he opened his first restaurant. He said he didn't know his value. He didn't get operational agreements to protect his intellectual property. And he was just kind of kicked the curb. They took advantage of him and his value. You got to know your value. You got to protect yourself and you got to get, you got to like wrap your fingers around what's yours. And um, I think that's the big lesson of what we learned. But now what Chef Max Santiago is doing is he recognizes his value, pastries, and he, he uses his skill to, to make to create opportunity for others and he stays in his lane. He, he helps develop the staff, train the staff on how to do the thing and he, he owns equity on the in the business because of you know the assets he brings and he goes along and he just helps create opportunity for other people who compliments him well he stays in his lane they stay in their lanes he knows his value he knows what he brings and they know what they bring and they crush it really cool stuff came from today's chat so before we say goodbye i have to remind you of what's going on in restaurant stoppable network this uh, week today actually today at 10 a.m if you're listening to this early you still have time to join us for some live 
peer mentoring with Chef Batulia, Vincenzo Batulia. His episode went live two weeks ago. Check out his episode. If you want to connect with him, ask questions, learn from him, join us live today at 10 a.m. Today's Monday at 10 a.m. We'll be live in the network. And that's really all we have going on this week as far as events. Uh, maybe since when I record this in next week happens there might be some new stuff uh but that's it for now and like always every tuesday and thursday i'm available for coffee with eric where i'm just there to to be there for you to chat and to talk about whatever you want to talk about but what I do have to tell you about is the first ever live course we're hosting in Restaurant Stoppable Network. How to's of prime costs in high profit 101 with Rudy Mick. So here is your call to action if you're interested in profit and costing and tightening up those systems in your business. Uh, this week, April 28th, Rudy Mick is going to be live at restaurantowner.com to, to host a webinar uh, where we're going to be kind of doing an aerial view of what will be happening in the course next month, beginning May 19th. We're going to be hosting a live course. So here's your call to action. Head over to restaurantowner.com, watch the webinar. Then if you're not already in the network, sign up for the network. And here's the thing. If you're not a member of restaurantowner.com, when you join restaurantstoppablenetwork.com, you instantly get six months access. So that's the call to action. Join Restaurant Stoppable Network. Get six months of access to restaurantowner.com. Join us for the webinar on the 28th. Get an aerial view of what you're going to get for the course on May 19th. And then you'll purchase the course when you're in the network. Um, That's what you got to do. (laughs) <laughs> a little convoluted, but that's the call to action. And I can't wait to meet you guys in the network. Um, we already have five people sign up for this course. I know it's going to be huge. Uh, what, what Rudy Mick is doing is next level. Uh, and we've already had people who he's helped in the network give testimonials. So this stuff works and we want you to be a part of it. You will, you will make your money back in a quarter. I promise you. All right. So that's it for today. Uh, Thank you guys so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.